Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad you're here today. It's uh, great to be in God's house and to share the love of God with one another, and we welcome everyone here today. Welcome our uh, guests especially. Uh, you're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here, and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. We like to ask everyone if you would take our attendance sheet on the end of each row and to uh, fill it out as completely as you feel comfortable and check the appropriate box on there and then pass it down the row so others can do the same. Uh, we would appreciate having a record of your attendance with us today. Uh, a few announcements that I uh, would like to call to your attention this morning. First of all, on Tuesday, we'll be having our joy lunch on Tuesday at lunch at noon, noon time. Um, and this is for anybody who wants to come. Uh, I know we kind of plug it as our senior citizens group, but it's anybody who wants to come. Uh, just come and bring a dish and bring a friend and bring a smile, and we'll have a great time. And this week's program will be uh, Mary Dunham. Non-perishable items. Okay. Canned goods, uh, hygiene things, uh what do you need, Mary, more than anything else? Everything. Toothpaste, shampoo, and conditioner, personal hygiene things. So things like that, bring it for a Christian outreach for a, uh, when you come on, on Tuesday for Joy Lunch. Next Sunday is Father's Day, and um, we will be uh, following up on our Mother's Day breakfast by having a Father's Day breakfast next week at 8.30 in the morning. So... Uh, everybody come and, and enjoy that. That will be a, a great time. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Virginia, where is There she is. Virginia, I believe Virginia has an, an announcement uh, concerning our youth trip. Good morning. Actually, I actually have a couple announcements. Um, first of all, with Julie's uh, stepping down from youth, it's going to be John Cornelius, Eddie, and myself will be chaperoning the youth to Panama City this year. We still have three available slot slots that we need to fill with a youth. And so if anybody knows of a teenager who's wanting to go to Panama City, the cost of it this year is $260. We do need to try to fill those slots so that we can meet a quota. We have to have 18 people paid going to the youth uh, trip in Panama City at the place that we're going. This year we're going to be going back to Laguna Beach, which was one that they had previously attended. So there is also a swimming pool, and the beach available for, during free time. Last year, I think it was a little upsetting because some people didn't have, there wasn't a pool at the place they went to last year, so the kids were want, they wanted the pool back. Um, I wanted to every, thank everybody for helping us with our supporting the cafe in the mornings and also the candy fundraisers, but we are still in need of more support. Um, for one, the church van only holds 15 people, and we will need a vehicle that can hold at least five youth and adults to traveling. And unfortunately, my personal vehicle um, only seats four, so I can't even use it. But if there's somebody that's willing to loan us their car, that, um, and in exchange, I'll be willing to loan you my car during the week that we're gone, and it's July, the week of July 1st, that very first week, um, please just talk to myself or to John Cornelius to let us know that you would be willing to do that. That would definitely save us the expense of having to rent a car. Uh, excuse me. Um, as I said, the cost is $260 per person, and if you are able to and willing to donate money, we can still use money for scholarships 
to help make sure that everybody that wants to go gets the opportunity to attend. The youth have a wonderful time with just sharing ministries to one another and getting to know one another as well. On uh, June 23rd at 5 o'clock, we will be meeting at Atkinson Park in the shelter near um, the volleyball court, and that will be a parent-youth meeting to make sure that all the documentation is in place and just to get additional information before we do leave. So please um, bring a potluck. Um, Meats and drinks will be provided, so just bring a dish along with yourself that you could share. And then again on June 30th, we are also having the Youth Luau Lunch and Pie Auction. That's an additional fundraiser to help offset the cost of gas and transportation down there as long as the rental trailer that we take every year. And just thank you very much for all the support that you have given the youth. Thank you. Thank you. Our youth are busy, aren't they? And uh, getting ready for the trip coming up in a few weeks and uh, raising funds for that. So we're grateful for all the leadership that's uh, being provided for our youth and our youth who are doing a lot of work uh, to get ready for that. Uh, One other thing, this past week, it's been a busy week, hasn't it? It's been a very busy week. It's been a good week. We had a great vacation Bible school, didn't we, kids? Some of y'all were there, weren't you? Yeah, still tired from vacation. I'm a little tired today, too. But it's been a great week. We did a lot. We learned a lot. We played a lot. We did some some great things. And so I'm going to ask our tech guys back there. Are you listening to me back there, guys? Hit Hit the video. We're going to show you a little video to show you how much fun we had this week. There we go.
Does that look like fun? It was fun. (laughs) It was fun. You're looking forward to next year's Vacation Bible School? Uh, That's that's a long way away, I know. Okay. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
Please join me in, my, in our responsive reading this week titled, Trust. In the many silences of the heart, O God, when feeling is beyond words, your faithful people everywhere wait upon your spirit. In the silence of joy, when a baby is born, when a sunset blazes, when a loved one is restored to health, when peace replaces strife. In the silence of sorrow, when love is lost, when pain is too constant a companion, when time brings change that is hard to bear, when death seems victorious. In the silence of anger, when justice is postponed, when violence shatters the body and soul, when prejudices set neighbor against neighbor, and when no one will listen. Let us put our trust where it belongs, not in our positions or of power or wealth, for such things are lighter than breath. Amen. Today our scripture reading is from Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. You have heard, no doubt, of my earlier life in Judaism. I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who had set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles. I did not confer with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me. But I went away at once into Arabia, and afterwards I returned to Damascus. Then after three years I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Zephus and stayed with him fifteen days. But I did not see any other apostle except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard it said, The one who formerly was persecuting us now, proclaiming the faith he once tried to destroy, and then glorified God because of me.
thing or get ready to spin. Flick it. Give it a good flick.
Will you pray with me? Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today thanking you for the grace that you offer us, that you bestow on us. We thank you for all that you give us, all that we have. We thank you for all that we take for granted. We thank you for all the lives that have come before us, what they have shown us, what they have taught us, how they have led us by example. We thank you for the trust that we have in you, that your word is our bond. We ask you to bless these tithes and offerings, that they continue to further your kingdom, to do your work, to save your people. We ask this in God's name. Amen.
Thank you, Jika. There is a Savior. What a beautiful song. You know, one of the questions that is becoming more a, a matter of concern these days is the question, who can I trust? Uh, we live in a pretty strange world, don't we? Anybody want to contest that? I, I don't think so. We, we all know we live in a pretty strange world, and I want to give you an example of that. Did you know that now you can buy trust in a bottle? Did you know that? It's true. It's tr- you can buy trust in a bottle. So all of you as- aspiring politicians out there, I want you to listen up here. And all of you who have a, a questionable product that you want to sell, this may be of interest to you. A, a New York City lab has claimed to have developed liquid trust. And according to their ads, after showering in the morning, simply spray a squirt or two of this odorless liquid trust onto your skin, and then the people you meet during the next few hours will trust you without knowing why. One customer writes, My boss is rather distant, but on days when I wear liquid trust, he includes me in conversations and jokes that he doesn't do on other days. I get less hassle and sell more product on the days I wear it. Even my kids behave better. So there it is, folks. Just what you needed. Solve all your problems with trust in a bottle. So what is liquid trust? Well, it's a hormone called oxytocin. And the the makers claim that oxytocin is the scientifically proven elixir of trust. It is a naturally occurring hormone that plays a significant part in in childbirth and breastfeeding and in romantic love. And how do we know that they're telling the truth about this? Well, I guess we'll just have to trust them. (laughs) Let's deal with this issue of trust for a few moments this morning. It's one of the most important issues that we have to deal with because it affects our life as a people, it affects our life as, uh, together as families, it affects our individual happiness. However, by all indication, trust for other people and trust for institutions is at an all-time low. Some of you will probably remember when the TV journalist Walter Cronkite was called the most trusted man in America. You remember that? Yeah. But in this day and time, in a culture that is politically and racially and economically and in countless other ways divided and polarized, trust is hard to come by. For example, we used to trust the financial community, didn't we? I mean, if you if you can't put your if you can't trust your bank, then who can you trust? But look at this. Look at this image here. It kind of tells you the, how some people feel about their financial institutions stealing the homes of America. Not so great, huh? And what about Wall Street? Forbes magazine carried an article that suggested that most Americans no longer trust people on Wall Street. 71% said that most people on Wall Street would be willing to break the law if they believed they could make a lot of money from it and get away with it. Only 26% believe that Wall Streeters are generally as honest and moral as as other people. And even more depressing, 39% think that Wall Street does more harm than good. 
So who do you trust? How about the press? A recent Gallup poll revealed that only 29% of Americans expressed great, a great deal of confidence in the America's newspapers. That's down from 51% in 1959. And television news wasn't much better at 35%. And I won't even bother to cite the statistics about how much people trust their government, especially Congress. Their approval rating has been dragging down, down there around the single digit, digits for quite a while now. But here's a shocker. Even scientists are su suspect these days, as the controversy over climate change has, seems to indicate. It seems that, that people these days don't trust their, their doctors, their bankers, or, I hate to say it, even their pastors. And the rapid rise of divorce rates indicates that even within the family, trust is in short supply. The institution of the family has been declining for the past 40 years and leading many people to demand things like prenuptial agreements or at least a long period of living together before jumping into something that may or may not work. And as for, your, as for trusting your employer, you know, it used to be you could go to work and have a job for life, but that doesn't seem to be uh, the case anymore. Most employees these days see themselves more as independent contractors, ready to move at a moment's notice. And the reason why is because they feel that, that their employer would be equally eager to get rid of them if it would improve their bottom line. And so corporate loyalty has gone the way of the dodo bird. Young people with huge education loans hanging over their heads are questioning whether our entire economic system can be trusted to give them the kind of future that their parents enjoyed. So you see, trust in friendships and the economy and products and government and religion and science has all declined. And folks, this is a big deal. Our whole world is designed to run on trust. Trust is essential to everything that we do. We trust other drivers driving down the street to stop when the light turns red. We trust the, the bridge builders when we cross over the river over to, to Evansville. We trust the doctor to be accurate with, with their diagnosis and the hospital to provide accurate uh, uh, to, to provide the right equipment and, and a sterile environment so that we might get well. We have to trust the banks and the government and even Wall Street to, to guard our funds for our retirement years. So you see, trust is a big deal. Journalist Eric Weiner traveled the world to discover what made some countries happier than others, and he found that there was one primary common denominator, and that was trust. The happiest places on earth Earth are those places that, where people feel that they can trust their government and their social institutions and their neighbors. So you see, trust is a, is a very big deal indeed. And unfortunately, it is evident that one of the problems that the Apostle Paul had at the beginning of his ministry was that a lot of people in the early church did not trust him. Now that's hard for us to think about from our perspective 2,000 years later. But a lot of people didn't trust Paul. 
We see in our lesson for today from from Galatians that some in the church had questions about Paul's credentials and they challenged his authority as a leader in the church and they raised doubts about his calling. So here we find Paul taking great pains to assert the validity of his apostleship. I mean, after all, he recognizes that his background could cause a lot of people to to question his motivation. The apostles chosen by Jesus before the crucifixion had the advantage of actually walking and talking with the physical Jesus. But, But Paul came along well after Christ's death and after his own notorious past as a persecutor of the church. So, you know, it was, it, it was little wonder that, the, that some Christians wanted to know things like, who is this man? Where's he coming from? Why should we trust him? And so Paul confronts these questions head on. And he says, you have heard about my previous life in Judaism and how intensely I persecuted the church and tried to destroy it. He said, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age and And I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. And you know, when you think about it, when you think about Paul, it's pretty amazing that anybody in the early church ever trusted Paul at all. I mean, think about this. (coughs) Excuse me. Suppose we had somebody show up in our church who was known for his rampant anti-religious stance known for his proclivity for violence, and was even known to have participated in the murder of a friend of ours, a a respected member of our church. Suppose somebody showed up at church like that. Would you ever trust that person? Well, that's the way the early church, that's what the early church faced when it came to Paul. And I'm sure that some of them were particularly resentful for the part that Paul played in the death of Stephen kind of reminds me of a story about the Jewish Hollywood director, Billy Wilder. It seems that Wilder served with the United States Army Psychological Warfare Division during World War II. And after the war, there were some Germans who wrote Wilder to ask permission to put on a play that he had written depicting the crucifixion of Jesus. Well, after investigating these Germans, Wilder discovered that each one of them that were involved in this play either was a stormtrooper or had been a stormtrooper or was a member of the Gestapo. And so his response was that he would give them permission to put on this play depicting the crucifixion of Jesus as long as they used real nails. Apparently, Billy Wilder was not so eager to forgive the sins of these people. And you know, it took a while for Paul to win people's trust too. We might get the idea that once Paul was converted, that that he was accepted almost immediately into the church and then he went sailing on and off on his missionary journeys, but that's not the way it happened. Listen to these words. When God who called me by His grace was pleased to reveal His Son to me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult with any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles, but I went to Arabia. And later I returned to Damascus, and then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas. 
and stayed with him for about 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles except for James, the Lord's brother. And I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is the truth. So what did Paul do during his time in Arabia, Damascus? And why did he go there instead of Jerusalem where the church was centered? Could it be that these were the only places where he would be accepted? Maybe that's why his missionary journeys were so extensive. Maybe he needed to find places where people wouldn't hold his past against him. And you know, that happens sometimes, doesn't it? Even in the church. We have a hard time accepting people who may have some past history or may have done something wrong in their lives, even when they are sincerely penitent and sorrowful. As someone has said, we are the only army that shoots its wounded. <laughs> I'm afraid that's often true. When Paul wrote these words to the church at Galatia, it was probably about 20 years after his conversion. And still, it seems, even after all of this time, there were people who did not trust him. There was a, an interesting study on forgiveness conducted by the Templeton Foundation in cooperation with the National Institute for Mental Health. And according to this study, 75% of Americans are very confident they have, that they have been forgiven by God. And surprisingly, this is even true for those who are not regular church attenders. However, the picture is not so bright when it comes to our forgiveness of others. You see, only about half of the people claimed that they had completely given up, forgiven others. God may forgive, but ordinary people... Not so much. And you know, it's hard to forgive other people when, when you're angry with them. And it's, and it's even more difficult to forgive yourself sometimes. We tend to beat ourselves up pretty badly for things that we've done in our past. But folks, listen to this. Where forgiveness does take place, where we are able to get over those hurdles that stand, those barriers that stand between us and other people, when that happens, the study has found that there's a link between forgiveness and health. In other words, the more a person is, is prone to forgive, the less likely that person will suffer from stress-related illnesses. So it seems that the New Testament church had the same problem that many of us have today. We accept the forgiveness of God but we're not so ready to forgive others. And even if we do say that we forgive those who have hurt us or betrayed us, we probably will never really trust them again. Paul understood this. He's very transparent about his past. He had, he had done a lot of bad things while persecuting the church. And there was only one way that he could ever win back the trust of these people and that was to live a Christ-like life from that day forward. And that's exactly what he did. And that's the only way that any of us who have done something wrong can, can ever really make things right again. It is to, to make a new start with our lives with the help of God. 
Andrew Jackson was the seventh president of the United States. And some people regarded, regard him as a fine president, but he's also tough. He was really tough. They called him Old Hickory, and in some cases he was ruthless. He was the, the president who ordered the infamous Trail of Tears for the Cherokee Indians, and his former ally, Chief General Eska, said that I would have killed him myself if I had known what he was going to do to my people. So Andrew Jackson was, had some enemies, but he loved his wife, Rachel, more than anything else in the world. They lived together down in, in Nashville at the Hermitage, and, and Rachel was a devout Christian, so he had a, a chapel built for her there. But anyone who ever questioned Rachel's virtue, and apparently some people did, Jackson challenged to a duel. Well, when Rachel died, part of Jackson died with her, and, and we are told that he would sit in that chapel for hours just remembering. And so one day a pastor came to visit him, and, and Jackson said, I would like to be baptized and, and become a Christian. And the minister said, Mr. President, there's nothing that would please me more. But in order to be baptized, you need to repent. You need to seek forgiveness for your sins and forgive those who have sinned against you. Are you willing to do that? Jackson said, I can forgive my enemies in the, in the, on the battlefield. And I can forgive my enemies in politics, but I'll never forgive those who have slandered my wife, Rachel. It seems that old Hickory was not willing to bend, and, and that's the way they left it that night. Well, a while later, there was a knock on the minister's door. It was late one night, pouring down rain outside, and, and there on the doorstep was standing a soaking wet former president of the United States, saying to the minister, I'm ready to forgive. And the minister said, excuse me, Mr. President, I'm hard of hearing. What did you say? And old Hickory broke down in tears, and he said, I forgive them all. Now that pastor probably went too far and requiring Jackson to forgive others before he would be accepted into the fellowship of the church. But folks, I want to tell you something. That's really the only way that a person can ever be trusted again. If they totally and completely repent of their sin, change their ways, resolve that with God's help, they'll not make that mistake again. And that's exactly what Paul did. I love the way Paul ends this story. He tells the Galatians that then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea. They didn't know me. They had only heard the report that the man who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. And then he says, and they glorified God because of me. My friends, Paul's life was an open book. At one time, he had been Saul, the persecutor of the church. But now he was Paul who preached the gospel. And everyone who knew him could tell you that he was not the same person that he had been before. And this is how you rebuild the bonds of trust. Forgiveness and repentance. Becoming a whole new person. 
in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us sing about the forgiveness and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ by singing that wonderful old hymn, a favorite of many of ours, Amazing Grace, number 330. And if there's anyone here who would like to make a commitment to Christ or unite with our church or to share a time of prayer, we invite you to come as we sing together, number 330, Amazing Grace. Please be seated. Uh, As many of you know, in just a few minutes, um, there's a group of us who will be leaving here and heading towards uh, eastern Kentucky, towards McCreary County, uh, Whitley City, and that area to to venture on a week of missions. And what we will be doing is uh, joining about 100 other volunteers that will be arriving from around Kentucky, and and I don't know, maybe further than that, but most of them are from Kentucky. And we will be building a house in one week. Uh, they've been working on it this, uh, the past few days. Um, and I, I saw some pictures. Looks like they have the, the walls up and they've got the trusses set now. And so that's where it is. That's where it stands right now. And so we'll be coming in and wrapping the house and putting up the siding and, the, and, and all of the things that, that will make this house complete. And we will do this in one week's period of time. And hopefully if everything does the way we hope it will, it will be done by Saturday. And there will be a dedication ceremony and we'll hand the keys to the new family and help move them in uh, to this house. So we want you, even though you may not be going, we want you to be a part of this. We want you to, be, to commit to be praying for us as we go. Uh, some of us will be going today. Some are coming up on Wednesday and others are coming back on Wednesday. So it's kind of a kind of one of those things, but, uh, but you need to be a part of this because we're representing you, uh, Community Baptist Church and, and our Lord Jesus Christ as we do that. So we want to have a commissioning service now um, for this mission opportunity, and I'd like to ask everyone if you're going to be a part of this mission opportunity to come forth and stand right up here. Come on, guys. Come on. Not everybody is here, but uh, I think there are 11 of us total that will be going from Community Baptist.
And I've asked uh, Greg, to our chairman of deacons, to lead us as we commission this group of people uh, for this, this important mission. Greg? Please join in this mission trip responsive reading that's printed on a separate flyer and overhead. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your brothers and sisters and toward the poor and needy in your land. Go sell your possessions and give to the poor. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did also for me. Reminding us that from the beginning of your time, your intention has been that those who are fortunate should give aid to those who are less fortunate. Help us to remember that in helping others, we bring joy to you. Mission team, you have been called to work among these less fortunate. You will be leaving your comfort zone to work in conditions that are less than ideal. You will be hot and sweaty as the temperature and humidity climb. You will go to bed bone tired after a long, hard day's work. You may have times of frustration when things just don't go as planned. Are you committed to putting these things aside and trusting in God's hand to bear you up? We are committed to do what God has called us to do and to rely on God. This is as Paul reminded Timothy. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men and women that they may see your good deeds and praise your God in heaven. These are your words, Lord, telling us that we are to be your light so that we may bring the light of life to others as we show them your love. As you work this week, there is something more than planning, directing, laboring, and even enjoying the recreation that you must do. That is to show God's love as you bring light to individuals in homes where you minister. Are you committed to let your light shine in McCrary County, Kentucky this week? We are committed to showing and sharing our light so that others may know our Christ. As your church, we want to be a part of your mission. For our commissioning prayer and benediction, there are two words I'd like to share with this mission team and the congregation. Travel light. Travel light. Hear the words from 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries to God because God cares about you. Mission team and congregation, God has a great race for you to run. Under God's care, you will go where you've never been and serve in ways you've never dreamed of serving. 
but you have to drop some stuff. How can we share God if we're full of guilt? How can we offer comfort if we're disheartened? How can we lift someone else's load if our arms are full of our own? How can we build a home for the homeless if our hands are full of ourselves? For the sake of those you love and of the unloved, travel light. For the sake of the God we serve, travel light. For the sake of your own joy, travel light. There are certain weights in life we simply cannot carry. Your Lord is asking you to set them down and trust God. Will you join me in this prayer of commissioning and benediction? Heavenly Father, we sometimes overpack for life's journey, taking all the wrong items. Help us to travel light, filling our hearts and handbags with love, grace, and humbleness. Protect these, our brothers and sisters, traveling to McCrary County, Kentucky this week, and equip them with strong hearts, open minds for service to others, and suitcases filled with a passion for the poor. As they use your hands, or their hands this week, may they put on your gloves of servanthood, ministering to others in Christ's name. May they travel light, filling their bodies and minds with your light. Help us all this week to be more like your son Jesus. May we put down our baggage to carry your cross. Help us fill our lives with Christ's teachings and examples so together we can lead others to you. Now we ask that you go with us all. Keep us tucked tight under your wing of mercy and grace. Be with us through our labor and our leisure. Travel with us so that we may be the presence of Christ and serve your world in need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.